to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. that even mean? I was like, it was not enlightening. I was like, and I was just, and I was convicted around him. I'm like, I better watch what I say. You know, it's like, what's a, I don't know. I'll talk to my friend. What's enlightening me? I don't even know what that means. But all I know is this guy is good. You know, and we, he doesn't do the terrible things that we're doing. And, and he was a, he was a bright light in my life. He was walking in wisdom towards those outside. In contrast, I remember when we first started the church, there was a a gentleman that came to our church and he was a very good artist. We even had him on the worship team and all and because he was very talented and he was a tile guy and, and he was doing work for people. And while I didn't know what was happening, he was telling people to get jobs. He said, oh yeah, I go to such and such church, Calvary Chapel, the harbor. And, and they were like, really? And they said, even the unbelieving world, they're like, wow, this guy must be good. I can trust him. But he was taking deposits from people and he wasn't doing the work. And I had people calling me, and I had one person call me and say, you know, we gave him the job. We're not even believers. We gave him the job because he was saying he's on the worship team, and he, you know, that he loves God, and he goes to your church. And, it's a, it, do you, and then he, the, the person said, is, is that the conduct of your church? And I said, absolutely not. And I sat down with that person, and he had all these excuses why, oh, we're going through rough time, this and that, this and that, you know. So we sat down, and second or third time we sat down, he was out of the church. It was like, we, you can't do that in this church. You can't be on the worship team, first off, if you're, you're doing that. So that's a, that's a done deal. And you guys just sit here and see if, you know, you, you know, be congregants. And matter of fact, since you're telling everyone how much you love Jesus, I even told him, I would, if I was you, don't tell anyone that you love Jesus, because... That doesn't line up with, you're not walking in wisdom. That's not very wise. We're to walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Practical instruction. Paul the Apostle, I'd like to, to kind of interject what Paul said to those in Corinth. He, 1 Corinthians 5, 9, he says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep, listen to this, not to keep company with sexually immoral people. But listen, he says, yet... I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or those that are covetous, extortioners, idolaters, since, listen to this, since then you would need to go out of the world. Do you understand what that means? So Paul was, was actually in this chapter, he was talking about, you know, there was a man that was sexually impure in the church. He was, this man was sleeping with his father's uh, wife. And so Paul was like, are you not dealing with this in the church? That should not happen in the church. And I, and I believe, and I want to look at the rest of this, but I, I, I'm saying this to say the way we deal with people outside of the church is different with the way we deal with people inside of the church. And I hope we truly understand this. When they're outside of the church, we're not to be, you know, constantly judging. You shouldn't be doing that. Corinthians says this, and we're, you're not to be a drunkard. You're not to be, and you're just constantly judging them. And we'll look at some more verses with this. But and we're, to, we're to speak to them in love. We're to be, you know, have good conduct in their, in their presence and all. Yeah, we're to share the, the gospel, share things with them. But we're not to be this Mr. Judge over the people in the world. And the other thing with this verse, I want to say, we're not to totally separate ourselves from them. Wouldn't that be boring? We're to be salt and light of the earth. We're, we're to, you know, be in the world. We're not, we're in the world, but not of the world. We're, so, you know, some people, you know, we have to be careful. We're not just churchites. We're just, okay, I'm in church. Get in the car. Hold on. There's there heathens all around. Let's get in the car. Let's see. Come on, kids. Lock the doors. 
don't even look over there. You know, they got this on or that on. This looks straight. Let's just get out of here. Let's go to our Christian house. Let's drive to the Christian grocery store only, you know? It's like, truly, we've got to be careful with that. We, you know, we're not to separate ourselves of those that are sexually impure, those that are sexually immoral, because they're all around us. We'd have to totally leave this world. We can't escape it. We're to be wise in their presence. We're to act, and our conduct should be good in their presence. Let me go on at this verse. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. So now it's getting a little closer here. Who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner? Listen, not to even eat with such a person. It's getting awfully quiet in here. When you're in the church and say, I love Jesus, I'm a brother, I love God, and I'm your brother in Christ and all that. And if they're sexually impure, practicing, you know, sex outside of marriage, if they're practicing drunkenness, you know, and getting drunk all the time, and then it says, no, no, no. In the church, we, we do something about that. We say, you know, you can't be that way inside the church. You can't, that is different. Don't say you're a Christian. Sit here, learn about God, and, and you know, hopefully give your life to God, but don't say you're a Christian because Christian means Christ-like, that God's changed you. So we, we treat people different in the church and outside of the church. And then let's do the last part of it. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Paul's asking a question. What do I to do? Am I called to judge people outside of the church? No. Where he says, do you not judge those who are inside? And he's questioning them because they're not, they weren't dealing with this, this man that was sleeping with his father's wife. So he says, he's like telling them, you should be judging them inside the church. Don't, you know, not outside, inside. But those who are outside, who judges them? Who? God judges them. Pray for them. Share the Lord with them. Show them the light of Christ. Give them the gospel. Therefore, put away from yourself the evil person. So there's a difference Outside of the church, we're to walk in wisdom. We're to walk with good conduct. We're not to be overly critical. I mean, I find myself, I'll just, okay, I find myself. I, probably when I was even more so when I was a baby Christian, I'd be like, I can't believe they're doing that. I can't believe they're, they're getting drunk. I can't believe, you know, that, you know, that they have a homosexual lifestyle. I can't believe all them. That's all sin. That's all terrible. But it'd be like, well, really, it's like, well, what do you expect? They're not Christians yet. They need Christ. They need to be changed. They need to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So, so it's like, it, it doesn't work. You know, when I had that attitude when I was a young believer, you know, and I was on fire, I was excited about Christ, but it'd be like, you know, some certain people, I just like an attitude toward them, and you're wrong, and God, no, 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 no. And I was, I was actually just getting, you know, with my wrath, and I was like, what am I doing? Telling my friends all that was wrong with their church. This is wrong with your church. That's wrong with your church. This is wrong with your church. And I felt even the Lord kind of speak to my heart and say, can you you tell them a little bit what's right with their church? Maybe, you know, get some common ground and love them and bring them to your church. Walk with wisdom for those who are outside. Redeeming the time. If you're a note taker, redeeming the time means buying up opportunities or making the most of the time given to you. It's a picture of a believer taking advantage of every opportunity to share Christ, to love people, to be a good example, to to walk in the Spirit, dealing honestly, dealing with integrity, redeeming the time, taking advantage of the time for Christ's sake, making our time count. 
I love the story that Angela just shared with me the other day, and she, she mentioned that she was at the 99-cent store, and she, while she was there, she felt the Lord prompt her to pray for an employee there. So she, she's like, really, Lord, you want me to pray for that person? And the Lord's like, yeah, go pray for that person. So she went over to the person that was working there at 90, the 99-cent store, I guess, putting stuff on the shelves, and she says, you know, can I pray for you? And she's like, well, why do you want to pray for me? She says, I just feel that the Lord want me, wants me to pray for you. And she's like, yeah, go ahead, pray for me. So she prays for the person, and she, but before that, she says, well, I want to tell you something. I'm having a biopsy tomorrow. And she says, well, that's why the Lord prompted me to pray for you. So she prayed for her, and she's like, and the Lord just totally was in on it. The Lord blessed that prayer time. Well, next time she saw her, she told her, got the biopsy back. It was not cancerous, and then she's cancer-free. She doesn't have cancer. So to me, that's a great story of redeeming the time, being in tune with the Holy Spirit. Don't you love it? Just, just, don't you love when you're in tune with the Lord and His Spirit, and He starts speaking to your heart, and then you see results, you're like, And I wish I had stories after stories after stories because when you just see God working in your midst and you're just like overwhelmed that he uses people like us. The message last Sunday about open doors and praying for opportunities and open doors, I, after the message, you know, I was just, I kept praying. I'm like, Lord, please open more doors and open doors. So my wife and I were going to Costco and on our day off, we were, so we're there in, in the parking lot. We're walking and said, you know, Lord, we, you know, heard the message about open doors. God, open a door for us here and just give us an opportunity to share you and to share your love and opportunity to just open a door. So we go inside Costco. She's looking at a jacket there and we're looking at that. The lady's next to us. She's looking at the same jacket. And before you know it, my wife mentions that she's a pastor's wife. And then she's, oh, no. And she goes, did you see this certain movie? And it's a, a movie, Summer, what was the name of that movie? Stolen Summer, thank you. So, so stolen. she goes, did you see the movie Stolen Summer? And we're like, no. And she says, I saw it twice. So she starts telling us about this movie, you know. So then all of a sudden, I'm just like, my brain is just like, and the Lord's just dropping scriptures in my heart and in my mouth. And I'm like, well, you know, that goes great with this scripture and that scripture. And then I start talking about Jesus and how Jesus is the Messiah. And even we're talking about the Old Testament and Elohim, and it's a plural form of God. And then you even see it in the Old Testament. It's just a beautiful time. And it was just a back and forth. And just God's spirit was just moving in such a wonderful way. And we're like, I'm like, God, I think you just opened a door for me. Her name's Kathy. Keep her in your prayers. And I wish she would have just prayed to receive Christ at that time, but we were there planting seeds and giving her scripture. And she was just listening and, 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 and you know, engaging and wanting to hear more. And, and me, I just, I got to put the brakes on sometimes. Me, I'm just like, like, I just want to like, you know, I could be there. I literally, if I could, I would be standing with her still now, like two, three days later. I'd be just there talking, you know, because I love doing that. I love it. When you know it's an open door and God is just there. And people are interested. and They want to hear about the Lord. Taking advantage of time. And so I would just say, you know, last week, you know, open door. This week, you know, this is God speaking through his word. This word is alive. And I believe the word for us today is take advantage of the time that God has given to you. The the time he's allotted you. You know, pray over your day and say, Lord, may this day count for all eternity today. When we, when we leave these doors, you know, pray over yourself and say, God, may this day count for all eternity. May something happen today that will last forever and ever and ever. May you use me, God, in spite of me. May you empty me of self. May you, God, use me as your vessel. And don't be surprised if he does. A verse came to me the other day 
out of Nehemiah, and I just love this verse. It, it talks about a, a man named Hananiah, and he was a leader of the citadel, of the castle there. And it, look at what it says, okay? It says that he was a leader of the citadel. It says, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than, can we say it together? Many. I remember the first time I read that verse, and it was like popped out of the, this, the pages of Scripture, and I was like, feared God more than many. I'm like, I'm like God, I want to be a, a Hananiah. I want to be that. I want to be a God, a man that fears you more than anybody else. I, I want to fear you. I want to reverence you. I want to care about what you say more than anybody else. Because I believe that the fear of man is, as the Bible says, it's a snare. The fear of man is a snare. And if we can get over ourselves and get over the fear of man and realize, I don't care. Do you ever do this? I've done this before. I'm sharing with someone like that in Costco. It didn't happen in Costco. I'm sharing. Everything's going good. And all of a sudden, you know, some like other people start getting in the, in the picture and then they start giving you bad looks and they start getting upset. And why are you talking about? And all of a sudden I'm influenced by them. And I go back to this verse. And I'm like, God, I want to fear you more than anybody else. I want to fear God more than many. Did you notice that? More than many. Taking advantage of time. I think about the plays that we do here for Christmas and we have like 70 or 80 people in the cast and it's just, it's amazing to see the talents and the gifts and, and God's hand on that. And I, I, I think through that sometimes and I think if you would have told me like the church we started, you know, like years, 15 years ago, it's gonna be when we started to work in, in the community. But if you would have told me like, 17, 18 years ago, oh, your church is going to do plays, you're going to do concerts on the beach. I would just say, you're crazy. I don't even want to do plays and concerts. What are you talking about? And we've had people leave the church because we do plays here. And I, I could tell you, standing up here, as God is my witness, we're doing the plays because God has told us to do the plays. We're doing labor of love because God has told us to do the labor. He's opened the door and says, this is, this is what I want you to do. And the opposition that comes for those two things, and, just, and you know, again, if you would have told me 17, 18 years ago, that's what you're going to do, I'd say, well, I don't even really want to do plays. And What are you talking about? But, but God has organically worked in such a way. He's raised up for a church our size to have so many people so, with so much talent, like 70 or 80 people in the cast, and, then, and to raise up so many people. It's just, we're just watching organically. God's hand just saying, this is what I want you to do. Just follow me. And it's like, well, how about this? Well, will you follow me? Well, would you, can I make some suggestions? No, just follow me. <laughs> And I want to fear God more than many men. And because when it's God, we can count and trust that he's going to take care of everything else. And I can stand here and tell you this was, I believe with all my heart is God is my witness. And thank you, Lord. God has kicked open a door of opportunity for us to, to have these wonderful plays and people that get saved and lives are changed and, and, and we'll know in heaven you know, how much that impacted and the labor of love when we get to heaven, we'll find out, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, if one soul gets saved, it's all worth it, but it doesn't really matter. What my point, I guess, is, is to redeem the time, to take advantage of the time, but to know it's like, okay, I can stand up here and say, God, I know this is what you called us to do, so we're doing it. But my question is for all of us here, do you, do you know what God's called you to do? And let me say this. Are you doing it? And the people that are here, like, doing like this, that's what we should all be. This whole sanctuary should be like you. <laughs> it should be. But I understand. Maybe you don't know. Well, my question is, do you want to know? And that's even a better question than we're getting people going like this. Yes. Because listen, please. There's nothing like being in the will of God. And it's miserable when you're not in the will of God. 
because you'll try to make things happen, you'll try to make things work, and you're going to fail every time because God has a plan. God has a purpose for you. And he says, this is the way. Walk in it. Will there be opposition? Yes. We looked at that last Sunday. An effective door has been opened to me, Paul the Apostle said, but there's many adversaries there in Ephesus. There was many adversaries. We've experienced many adversaries. Yeah, we've experienced adversaries. But there's nothing like walking in the will of God and knowing what the will of God is. Taking advantage of the time that he gives us. Am I up here telling you, oh, I'm just, I'm walking full 100% in God's will 1,000% of the time? No, no, I'm not saying that. I, I wish I could say that. But when God has been opening up doors and he says, this is what I want you to do and we're doing our best, let's do this, God. And he opens up another door and he's like, okay, this is what I want you guys to do. It's like, let's do this, God. We only have a short period of time here on this earth, but a vapor. I pray that we all are taking advantage of that time, that we would be like Hananiah, that we would fear God more than many people. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I had to lighten it up there a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> Making time count. Okay, this will lighten it up a lot. How about this? Um, I, I went through, I was looking at, you know, the, what do we spend our time doing? Most people, what do we do with most of our time? And I was just kind of curious. So I was looking and, you know, what is it? And so uh, sleep, do you realize that on an average, people sleep eight hours a night? And I don't sleep quite eight hours a night. My wife probably sleeps half of that. But, um, but on an average, an average American person sleeps eight hours a night, right? That's a third of a day. So do you realize if you live to be 75 years old, you will spend 25 years of your lifetime sleeping? Do you ever think of that? 25 years of sleep. That's a lot. That means out of 75 years, you have 50 years of awake time, right? How about working? Well, the average person in America supposedly works 39.2 hours a week. That's 10 and a half years of your lifetime in working. Internet and television, an estimated, uh, an average American spends 12 years of his lifetime watching TV or the internet. But listen to this. I found another statistic that blew my mind with, with technical devices. So that means iPads, iPhones, gaming, all this stuff. This statistic said that the average American spends 41% of their lifetime. 41% of the life. That, so if that's the case, that's 30.75 years of their life on technical devices. How about eating? I love eating. Average person spends 67 minutes a day. 67 minutes a day, the average American, which is 3.5 years of your lifetime. I found another study that said six years. I think I fall in the six-year category, though. I, they call this place Calorie Chapel, not Calvary Chapel. So that's pretty good. That's an old one. I'm sorry. Waiting in lines. Did, someone did a study about waiting. It says five years of our life is spent waiting in line. So with that, if that's the case, five years of your life, take advantage of the people that are in your line. You know, see if the Lord will open a door for you there. With, so five years waiting in lines, uh, they, they get a little note here. It said six months of that time is waiting on, at traffic lights. So I think I have the light by my house is six months. <laughs> it's that one light. It's, it's terrible. Sitting down, like you guys are doing right now, approximately 22 years of our life is spent sitting down, if you live to be 75. Socializing, 
with family and friends. You'd think that number would be high. That's only 6.8% of your life is spent socializing. That's five years, though. 5.1 years of your life is spent socializing. Okay, last one for, for time, what we do with our time, cleaning the house. Why I got this one, I don't know. The average woman, this is, a, this is just a statistic, it says they spend 12,896 hours a lifetime, approximately 1.5 years out of their life cleaning home. That's not my wife, I'm sorry. I said that. No, 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 I'm sorry, that's just a joke. <laughs> sorry. Okay, this is the last one. Okay, so that's women, the 12,000. Men, half that amount. Cleaning home, they only spend uh, half the amount. So it's like three quarters of a year of their lifetime. So women are definitely twice as hygienic as men. Amen? There you go. Just thought you'd like to know. But no, with those, I mean, I, did that shock you? When I, when I looked at the time that we sleep, I'm like, really? 25 years of our life is spent in sleeping? In the internet one, I, that one really blew my mind. That's actually, if that is true... 30, over 30 years spent with technical devices. We spend more time on technical devices than we do sleeping. What do we do with our time? Let's look at verse 6. So it says, Let our speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. This is a powerful verse here, if you really take hold of it. What we talk about, how we talk. Did you notice... Let your speech always be with grace. The, the word grace is favor and kindness. Again, did you notice always? I love the fact that God's word is alive. And so as I've been studying this, I, I notice in my life times when my words aren't very graceful and not very kind. And I'm like, I pray over like, Lord, you know, help me to, to answer and to slow down and to, to have a tongue of kindness and to, to be able to speak with grace and favor towards people. You see, by grace we've been saved through faith. In God's grace, God's favor saved us. And so being in such favor with God, we should extend the favor to people around us. And we should have that heart of grace and to be graceful and to be loving to, to people that aren't even loving. And by the Holy Spirit, we can do that. I, I was tested on this not long ago. I just, you know, something got me stirred up and I was all stirred up and I was like, la, la, la. And then in my mind, I thought of this verse, let your speech always be with grace. And I'm like, oh, even now, Lord, always. And it made me stop and pray and say, Lord, help my, help my speech. Season with salt. Effective, since we don't have too much time here. <laughs> salt preserves. Salt is used for healing, for purifying. Salt is used for seasoning. It's used for creating a thirst. And in our words, there, there should be that effect. It should affect people. I was thinking about how a salt shaker, it's not going to be effective unless it, go, it, it, it comes in contact with something. I love salt, so I, would, I like it to come in contact with my food. And, but if it's in the salt shaker, it's useless. And it's kind of like with us. We're salty, and God's called us to be the salt of the earth, and we're, we're to have uh, the, you know, the ability to, to have our words affect people in a good way. And, and sometimes you even think of salt. If you go in the ocean, you have a cut. Ah, it burns, it stings. And sometimes we're going to be that way with people. We're going to have the words of life coming out of our mouth, Scripture coming out of our mouth, and people go, ow, get away from me. You're like, what? I just said Jesus loves you. You know, it's like, and it's going to happen. But I believe that as we wind this down real quick, just let our words be effective. Pray over your words, especially those outside of the church, that God would use you. So making your time count. 
as we close. Again, the clock is ticking, tick-tock, tick-tock. I pray with all my heart for all of us that are here in this room today, I truly do pray that our time would count, not just for this earth, but this time that we have allotted to us, this time would count forever and ever. Amen. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.